I hope you've had a chance to listen to part one of this interview on BizBytes. Stay tuned now for part two. Welcome to BizBytes, brought to you by Com Together, helping businesses like yours build their brand through telling amazing stories to engage and grow audiences on multiple platforms. Uh, Steve, I wanted to ask you a little bit and delve into your background a little bit because we kind of touched on it the other day off air when you and I were speaking, but you've got a fascinating background and you've done lots of different things and our paths sort of almost sort of have crossed several times, I, mm. I suspect. Uh, so so take me back, What was the wh- where did you start out? What was the starting point for your career? Well, I, say I got into business by accident, and it was actually an accident. I was a professional athlete training for the Los Angeles Olympics, doing too much of the wrong training, and basically crushed three discs in my back. One day, 10 foot tall and bulletproof, the next day I couldn't get out of bed. It was like, oh. And then through rehab, I fell in love with the fitness industry, and I fell in love with that and thought, I could do this. I could do it differently. I could do it better. I was a pretty brash, cocky young kid back then. And in the early stages, I franchised a kids club into five countries and weight loss program into two and just created programs. And I'll stick to the the sequence that got me here. In the Hunter Valley, Newcastle, we had uh, NBN Channel 3, the regional TV station. They had a three-hour kids Saturday morning segment. And I thought, hmm, they should have an activity. They should have a workout segment for the kids. So I sent them a proposal. I think they got it the Friday. I was in their office by the Tuesday and we were filming the following Wednesday. <laughs> so I guess they liked it. Which is crazy, by the way. Anyone that's ever worked in any in, in TV, I've never seen anything move that fast before. So that's that's quite amazing. Yeah, we had a four-week trial that actually lasted until aggregation took over two and a half years later and Channel 9 amalgamated everything. But that was really interesting. Uh, it was a great learning because as a, a live person, now I could get up in front, I could have 600 kids virtually eating out of my hands, doing an activity workout, et cetera. But I had to think about, okay, I've got three big cameras here. I got eight kids behind me that I had to sort of teach. I got all these kids at home. I had big dog over here that I had to sort of try and talk to as well as like, ah, what was going on? But I thought, hey, I've got this, I've got this covered. I can do it. And then the first day I went up to the edit suite as they were editing and I thought, oh, that's boring. It was what wasn't happening going through the lens. And that's one of the things that we teach is like how to get you through the lens. So for two years, I actually spent three hours and not just my half hour filming. I'd spent another two and a half hours watching the editing, watching the pros, how they did it and really absorbing what it was. And there was a life bigger and better than just that segment. And after a number of years of knocking on doors, and you know what the TV world's like, knocking on doors, kicking down doors and whatever, um, Channel 9 said, yep, we love it. You can host and produce this show, which was the one that I wrote. So we had a a live stint for six months on a, a network show, Channel 9, Saturday mornings. And then as networks do, they saw a difference of commercial opinion (laughs) and basically (laughs) got screwed. But anyhow, uh, that's life. Um, And then Warner Brothers came knocking on the door and they said, hey, listen, can you put a show together that gets our characters in this time slot, in this classification? I thought, ooh, okay. 
So we put it together and uh, filmed it, and a a version of that show is currently on that I have nothing to do with, and ten years later it is still on. <laughs> so <laughs> I won't tell you what what happened there, but. All of those were great learnings, and I learned from a lot of good people along the way, and and that's taken me to now as to how can I um, how can I take all of that back? And when I was traveling the world speaking in the health and fitness industry, when I'd fly into a town or a country, or whatever, the first thing they did was put me on radio, on TV to promote the event. So basically, then back then, I had to learn to be a profitable interviewee. How can I get the message across in an interview to get the people there still within the regulation type sound bites? Otherwise you get edited the crap out of. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't mean that they cut all this out. I was like, yeah, well, that's your fault. And so it was those things as well that I've gone back into the archives and say, well, what is it that I could pull out from years of being on both sides of the camera that is most appropriate today. So that's the history to now. It's it's quite a path um, and, and definitely, as you say, a number of learnings you would have had along the way in working with, you know, from regional TV to the, you know, the big boys when you start talking to Warner Brothers and and the like. And it, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, that there's a sweet spot between the two. I mean, some people prefer being at that bigger end of town Others, it's it's a nicer to be in control of it. Is that something that was uh, big along the way as well in terms of your learning and it, you know, from being employed and having to do something and then them taking ownership and running with it versus you being able to own it and run it and do it yourself? It's interesting. I remember coming out with a line. I'd never thought of it before, but a client came to me and she said, Steve, I've got this idea. I've got this. Can you help me get on TV? And I looked at her and looked at what she was doing and then something twigged and it just came out and it basically said, you're bigger than TV. You're bigger than network TV. Yep. And I was like, whoa, did I just say that? And she was. You didn't need it. You know, the YouTubes and all of these sorts of things, the, the multi-million dollar podcasts that are out there right now is they would be nothing on network TV. So hmm. uh, doing it the right way and you maintain control of it, it's a, it's a big thing because uh, when, yeah, when I wrote that show for Warner and they said, yeah, we want it, and then they came back and said, here's our new show, would you like to be on it? The last thing that I wanted to be was on TV having a being a little lackey. To me, it's the creator of the owner and there's no money being on TV. The money was in all the other products and licensing. I said, no, thank you. All the best. So, yeah, it's how do you put your strategy together to get the most out of, and, and this is how you work with your people. Yeah, it's like, well, I can give you the airwaves and I can give you this, but when you sit down with them and work out their strategy, as to what they're going to do, that's when the value of what you do come to play because, um, yeah, people can put people on to, to do a podcast, but to the quality 
and to get the returns that you help your people with, that's a different ballgame. Yeah, I think there's there's so many extremes of it. I I, I think um, I I was recently told to have a listen to a particular podcast, and I don't think they did it with any sort of level of animosity. I think they genuinely thought that this particular podcast was quite good. I found it almost unlistenable because, and this is a tack that I advise people do not take. They had clearly pre-recorded a bunch of questions that they always asked the same questions and they sent that off and asked people to record their responses and then they kind of glue it together. And I just, I really wasn't sure of the point um, in doing that. But you, you've got that extreme where I think it's done badly. But what I found really interesting was that you go the other extreme now and this trend on television uh, to show podcasts. So I, I know, you know, for those that are listening uh, in in uh, rugby league playing states, will be familiar with the Maddie Johns podcast as a good example. So Maddie Johns has his own TV show, and that is a genuine TV show. But he also has his podcast, and what they do is is they literally sit them down at a desk that's just a plain old desk. They're wearing, uh, they've got microphones in front of them. They're wearing headphones. They're wearing casual clothes. And they're having a conversation. So they're not worrying about audiences and throwing to videos and all those other things. They're just having a genuine conversation. And I find it fascinating that that is now a TV show as well as being a podcast itself. So I find it fascinating that you've now got this flip that's starting to happen. And it's, you know, I know there are other examples of that, but uh, certainly that's a, just an interesting trend. Yeah, I'll go back to that. Um... The podcast that you mentioned that was basically cut and paste pre-recording, and one of the things that, uh, with all the research and the the jumping in with the sales part that I was doing before with flow selling and the energy that you have in the sales process, it's all about the energy. Now, the energy between two live people, you and I, and the tennis match um, analogy, there's high energy when you've got that banter happening. And the people feel that and they get in it. Whereas just the cut and paste education, it, it would want to be damn good information for anybody to sit through it because there, there would be no energy whatsoever. It's just pre-recorded cut and paste answers. Now, on the other side of it, um, the Maddie John show. And the great thing about Maddie is there's always going to be energy. <laughs> no matter what, whether it's two guys at a table, yep. whether they're, they're sitting somewhere or in the middle of a football match, there is always going to be energy and always going to be uh, something unexpected. And that's our fascination with uh, with real-life dramas. I mean, the, the, the rubbish that's on TV that is, um, that, that is not, which is basically real life. Um, love it or hate it, people are just voyeurs into that. And because that type of show, he's got a history. He's got a following of being, you know, even when he was on the, the footy show, he was always the unpredictable guy. He was always the one that would mm. put his hand up, you know, you know, Trent the whatever. I mean, I still remember him. That's because he's memorable and he gave you good energy watching him. Therefore, you would turn up again to his podcast. 
if just two guys sitting having a chat, you never know where it's going to go and something controversial or unexpected is always going to happen. So it doesn't surprise me that those sorts of things are coming around, but they need to be good. They need to be high energy to be able to have people yes. sit through just two people having a chat. Yeah, and I think, and, and you hit upon a really interesting point and uh, it's one of my pet peeves is that a lot of people, and you talked about it earlier, a lot of people uh, define themselves as being passionate about a particular subject or or a leader in a particular subject. I, if you write that, then it's a nonsense. <laughs> Don't write it, show it. And and that's the great thing about, you know, as you're talking about Matty Johns, that there's unquestionably the guy is passionate about rugby league and we'll talk to the cows come home about it and you feed off of that energy. And I think that's the same when you're talking about that. I mean, I, 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 there's no doubt that people listening to us on this particular podcast are going to hear our energy for podcasting because it's there, right? And, um, you know, it's in our blood. We've been doing it for a while and, uh, you know, it's something that we clearly are passionate about, but we don't have to – I didn't have to say in the introduction, oh, I'm talking to Steve who's passionate about podcasting. Anyone is going to get that by listening in. And I think it's a really important lesson because you want to be a great guest and to be a great podcaster if you're going to be uh, have your own program is you need to give over that energy. Yeah, it, it's it's the energy – well, the ease that we talk about in this, and I want to come back to one other thing. So I'm going to cross my fingers and hope I re remember what I was going to say in the first place. Um, and we tell people that it's the energy that you deliver, the emotion that you create, not the education that you teach. And and that's that's the the, the big thing there. And we tell the people that we don't want to hear that you're passionate about something. We actually don't want to see that you're passionate about it. We want to feel that you're passionate mm. about it. And when people don't say it, <laughs> we don't hear it, they don't, they don't say it. It's like that's the last thing we ever want you to say, I am passionate about. If you can't demonstrate and me feel that you're passionate about something, then it's a lost cause. You, you just don't get up and say, because I remember so many times and I tell the people, yeah, you, know, you go to a networking event or you go to somebody and they'll be sitting there and they'll have a piece of paper virtually in front of the camera. And they'll say, hi, my name is, and I am passionate, and this is the worst one that I always get, I am passionate about helping women have their best life. <laughs> well, I tell you what, it, remind, it just reminded me of something. So this is going to go into the memory banks for people because this is going back a while. Those that remember the, the wonderful um, comedy sketch show Fast Forward <laughs> and there was uh, the impersonation of, of Darren Hinch on those shows and there was a, uh, uh, a particular sketch where uh, he was um, talking about, in fact, I think it wasn't actually Darren Hinch, I think it was a sketch on Mike Willisey who's now passed away. But uh, there was an allegation at one point that he might have been a little bit tipsy on air. Uh, and uh, Darren Hinch, I think, was doing it, uh, reading something about it. And the, and this is in the comedy sketch. And he talks about the fact and he couldn't even read the Auto Club cue, you know. And it was 
And and I think I, I think back to those lovely things. But you're right, it, it, people that are reading scripts and that it doesn't come across in the same way. I, I know I've been inspired by the great interviewers of of the past, and certainly you know I'm heavily influenced by the likes of Ray Martin and mm-hmm. and uh, people like Graham Norton and Michael Parkinson, who the clipboards were there sometimes as a prompt, but more often than not, it was just a great conversation that they have or or still have in the case of uh, Graham Norton. And I, I think that's what makes it really interesting for people. And you get that, as we say, the the energy and the emotion coming through. And, and I, I liken it back as well. When you go back to our school days, there were teachers that we all had that went through the motions. And then there were teachers that had a massive influence on us because they clearly loved the subject matter that they were talking about. And that sticks with you. And I think we have that in business as well. There are people that get through to you because of the way that they deliver. Yeah, it's the it's the other side of the coin as well. Now, most podcast hosts are taught, do your homework on your guest, you know, know some things to talk about, and as well as some of the questions that may be sent in. But what the guests don't do is they don't do as much homework on the host. They just think, well, all i got to do is I've sent my questions in and I've sent my my lines and my bio, I just have to turn up. No, you've got to do as much research on the host, their audience, what particular parts of what you know and you can talk about will be of greatest unique value to the audience. And that's what you bring to the table. And what two or three unique things do you know about the host that you could bring out in a conversation to really let them know that you've had you've done your research and let the audience know that hey you know he, he's somebody who cares about the host is not just here to you know deliver a monologue they don't realize to be a good guest you need to be as diligent as a good host yes and 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 it's really um, when you think about uh, some of the great guests that you've seen on programs, and again, I'll use Graham Norton as a good example, obviously having celebrities on all the time. And there are some guests that are clearly amazing that have understand the particular medium and the way that that particular show works and deliver consistently. And they're consistently great guests. And there are others that are just showing up and they're there because they're flogging whatever their latest movie or TV show or whatever it is that they've got, and they're just boring. And I think that it is it is that. It's, it's being able to bring something to the table. If you do that, then the people listening in are going to enjoy it because I think that's where the magic happens in podcasting. People that are sitting there and listening to a conversation between two people that are clearly um, you know, emotional uh, and engaged in what they're talking about is fascinating for someone to sit and listen to. And, hey, I would never have been able to get that deep into that conversation, but I'm a fly on the wall on this incredible thing. There's so much value that I'm picking up on this. Um, you know, I want more of it. And that's what you want. You know, I, I know I talk to people who are doing uh, looking to do their own podcast and say that the real secret is you've got to be, pretend you're talking to just one person because if you can make a difference and you can influence one person, then you've made a positive change in the world and that that flow and effect will come a, come back to you in bucket loads over time. 
And when you do speak to one person, this comes from back in the old video marketing days, and the ability to reach through the lens to communicate with the people. Now, you and I have got a couple of screens. Um, I know if I was to look at you, you're over there. My face is here and the camera is here. <laughs> and so most of the time I'm hardly looking at you at all. I might just come across and have a look at some of the different facial expressions, see what's going on over there. But most of the time it's here. And we've got a saying from back in 0809 when we first did video marketing is reverse the lens. Use the lens as a telescope into the life of the one person that you want to talk to. Who is that person? What are they feeling today? What are they wearing today? And just talk to that one person. Now, we used to be able to, I probably still can, look at somebody and tell whether they're looking through and communicating to the person or whether they're looking at the camera thinking, oh, shit, it's looking at me. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> there's, a, there's a camera there. Okay, I know I've got to look this way. And they're just not communicating through to that one person. We all want millions of views, but they're not all going to be in the one room sitting on each other's knee watching the one screen. So we've got to reach into one room at a time, and that's how you need to communicate. I love that. Uh, Steve, before you go, I want to ask you a question that uh, oh, you want I do my link quick my by now? Is that what you wanted? That. My link quick by now? <laughs> <laughs> yes, quick. No, we will do that. Um, no, um, what I wanted to know was um, what when people come to work with you, what's the aha moment that they have that you know you wish more people knew about prior, so that they were that's what they were going to have when they come and work with you. The biggest aha is. There's two parts to it. The first aha is how to be the prize and not the professor. I don't have to get up and and spruik who I am, what I do. It's not the the aha when people think I just want them to understand what I do and they'll buy from me. And this is from the the old sales training. No, they have to understand that you understand them. Now, if we're having this conversation and I'm understanding what your people need and how they need it, and they can get that I understand them, that's a big aha. So it's it's re, reframing that I'm going to be communicating with those people. The other biggest aha is it's not all about giving good information and sticking people into your funnel. There are so many other ways that you could leverage that you could just be yourself and attract the people to you, not force them into a funnel. And people get that. Normally, we've got a training program. In the second or third week, it's like, I get it. There is all of this, and we were just doing this. It's get on, give some information, give them a link, and hope the hell that one day they'll find you. It's not going to happen. It's relationship first, and then whatever happens after that. And then it's yeah, it's the it's the trinity of the relationships. It's all three of you, the host, the guest, and the audience. Absolutely. And I think it is a really important point for people to remember is that it's not just on the host to maintain that relationship moving forward. It's a two-way street. 
and the opportunities are, are there. And, and, you know, I look forward to the fact that, Steve, what's going to happen is is you're going to send people to, they've been through your program, going to come and be a guest on my program, and then they, I'm going to help them put their own podcast together and we're going to create this great uh, opportunity for more people to get on more podcasts and really make this thing grow because it's just such a fantastic medium. Um, Steve, we, we are going to do what you want us to do we're going to definitely put links to all of your stuff and how to contact you in the show notes of the podcast because that's what we always do and we want people to connect and we want people to uh to enjoy that um you've been an amazing guest and i know we could probably talk for another couple of hours quite frankly on podcasting and i'm sure we'll get that opportunity in the future but in the meantime thank you so much for being a part of this bites mate it's been an absolute blast and you were going to have a a lot of fun and to the guys at home when we got on just before it, I think we got on less than two minutes before. I said, "What are we? What are we up to today? Is what sort of framework?" He said, "No, well, let's just hit the button. I know what we're going." I said, "Okay," and that was our prep, and we had enough confidence in each other that uh, if Anthony was going to lead me down any rabbit hole, he could, and I'd get out. And he knew what you needed. And that's where the discussion went. And uh, we just had a, a good time. And I hope you guys found value in it. I'm sure they did. And uh, I think that's a great way to end it. So everyone, thank you for listening in to this episode of Biz Bites and stay tuned for more coming up very soon. Biz Bites is brought to you by Com Together for all your marketing needs so you can build your brand, engage audiences on multiple platforms. Go to comtogether.com.au Follow the links to book an appointment for a free consultation.